and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Krishna Hanks is the co-owner of Square One Wellness, providing low-carbohydrate and ketogenic nutrition coaching and personal fitness training to individuals, groups, and organizations. Krishna holds a Master's of Science degree in kinesiology from Indiana University and completed her MBA in the executive program at the University of San Francisco. Most recently, she earned the title Coach Practitioner from the Noakes Foundation, which was created by former guest Dr. Tim Noakes. Kristen's work also includes worksite wellness for the CDC's Work at Health program, development of the City of Emeryville Wellness program, as well as supporting companies across the nation in establishing comprehensive wellness initiatives. She is also the best-selling author of Finding Lifestyle Sanity, A Survival Guide. You can find Krishna on social media and at www.squareonewellness.com, and that is one as the number not spelled out. Krishna, it is such an honor to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure and honor to be part of one of your programs. I've been a fan for a while. Well, thank you so much. It's such an honor to host you. We have to uh, we have to start out being really honest. You say you're 64, but I don't believe you. <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm closing in on 65. You know, the 22nd of this month, right? It ends the 64 journey. Wow. We go into 65, wow. yes. Well, you are definitely like a 25-year-old trapped in a 65-year-old's body. That's for sure. <laughs> Do you feel like you're the healthiest you've ever been in your entire life right now? I think I'm at one of those stages where I feel extremely vibrant. Yes. You know, it's hard to remember exactly how you felt when you were 20, you know, or let's say when I was a teenager turning backflips down a basketball court. Um, but I feel much better than I did when I was 40, for sure. Um, overcoming some, you know, health issues due to nutrition, but definitely, I think, you know, there's no reason that many, many people my age shouldn't also feel vibrantly healthy. And I think that if there's anything I hope to inspire and empower people is to take charge of your health. Yeah, I love that so much. I get a little frustrated. I'm, I'm wondering if you do too, when people just look around and see everybody else just on that slow kind of steady decline into aging and we just say it's normal or we call it dad bod or it's just normal to have your back hurt or your joints hurt or poor digestion and you're just gaining all this weight and taking medications. Does that ever frustrate you that that's be, become so normalized? Completely. You know, it, you know, a perfect example is someone, you, if I go, you know, for a routine checkup or something, they always say, what are your medica medications? And I say, none. And they're like flabbergasted, right? You know, the eyebrows go up, the eyes open wide. It, I think we, we've so come to accept that, like, I'm going to use 50 as a number, but it might even be less that once you hit 50 and above, it just starts going down, right? Your movement skills de deplete, your energy depletes. As you mentioned, all these things like joint problems, issues. It, I, I strongly inherently believe it. it doesn't have to be that way. And we've got a lot of really amazing role models within particularly the low-carb community. Look at Mark Sisson. What? He's 68. Looks phenomenal, right? Um, I mean, you can go on the list of numerous people in, in this field who are on the aging trajectory, but they still have vibrant health. And that, that's kind of my word. I think it's, you know, you, you really have to invest in your, your understanding of what nutrition does, getting, you know, a good exercise routine. Um, and I think maybe the biggest challenge for many people my age is We've been told to fear everything, right? To fear fat, to fear saturated fat, particularly to fear the sunshine, right? To you know, fear even protein, right? It, it that all of the fear is not really serving us well as we age, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love that you mentioned some of those people, some of our, you know, absolute favorite people in this space. And you're right, such an example. And so are you such an example of somebody who, you know, maybe your life was going down a different path, which I do want to talk about. But but you change that you turn that around. And now you're healthy and vibrant. You used a word that I I really wanted to talk about with you today, which is investment. So I want to make sure that we go back to that. You recently wrote about this in a wonderful article. And all of your writing is absolutely fantastic. I want to go back to that. But before we do, I do want to hear a little bit about your story. I know you have a background in dance and Pilates and you had some things kind of go wrong in your forties. Is that correct? Absolutely. So, you know, sort of short, short version of the background to lead to what I call my, my health story or my food story is, um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up with, you know, kind of basic, you know, uh, my mom was a fabulous cook on a really tight budget. You know, we were a one income family but she, you know, cooked meat, vegetables, all those kinds. I grew up with that, right? I started dancing professionally around the age of 15, right? That lasted me to about the age of 43, uh, something like that, which is pretty long for a dancer. Um, along the way, that's when I also, as any dancer knows, you have to be able to do multiple things just to survive. I taught dance. I certified in uh, Iyengar yoga, classical Pilates, you know, I was a personal trainer for many companies in New York. Uh, I worked also for a company called Homebodies. So I was doing all kinds of movement things along the way, right? As you already mentioned in the opening, I've got two degrees or three degrees, bachelor's and master's from Indiana University in Kinesiology, and then later my MBA. But all of those things, right, I was doing, but I did the MBA after I stopped dancing, but you know, throughout that dance career uh, along, along the way. Um, but my food story begins after I stopped dancing or was winding down. I had been pretty much for the last or two decades of my performing career a vegetarian. And somewhere towards the end of my dance, you know, early 40s or something, I started having like these very, very severe, what I call joint issues, right? So going from someone at the top of their game, you know, I could do anything with my body, anything I ask it, it would do to where sitting and standing was a challenge, right? So joints swollen, you know, knuckles big, just debilitating, right? So I had to really kind of figure out how to manage my day because I could only do a certain amount over the course of the day. Um, I was at that time working in, a, in an executive coaching uh, for an executive coaching company in the Netherlands. They're very kind. Everybody was very supportive on that. But I spent what I call two years on the medical hamster wheel. You know, oh, you must have rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, you have some strange autoimmune disease. Or maybe you've got, you know, some kind of rare infection that you picked up somewhere along the way. Literally two years of no no ideas, really. But meanwhile, I wasn't getting better. In fact, I was getting worse. Um, sort of at the end of the two years, I was having dinner with a, a good friend who was also this fabulous physical th- therapist named Ted Wilhelmsen. He's no longer with us, sadly. He was specialized in dancers. And anyway, and we were just having dinner. And he said... Have you ever thought about your diet? Ah, uh, you know, I like, you know, flabbergasted, got big eyes, eyes go up. And I said, what do you mean my diet's perfect? You know, I'm vegetarian. You know, I don't eat this. I don't eat that. And he kind of looked at me like, yeah, maybe that's the problem, right? So I went home. I, I thought about it. First thing the next morning, I called him and apologized because I was not very nice to him. I felt really bad about being so negative. I said, you know, I apologize, but I'm listening. And maybe there is something here because you're the only person who ever said that. After two years, all kinds of specialists, you name it. I saw it. I did it. I did every test possible. No one ever said anything about nutrition. Wow. And and I thought about it. Well, like, I, all I can do is try it, right? So I slowly, probably as every ex or I call myself a recovering vegetarian, 
you know, you start with the eggs and you then you segue a little bit into the meat. Bit by bit, just started adding back the things in and things started to change. It was pretty phenomenal, right? And I thought, wow, there's really something to this power of nutrition. You know, I thought about my whole life was spent been about moving, right? How do I make my body move the best it can move, right? I always thought I was fueling it okay, right? Because I was still able to do everything until I couldn't. Um, and then my husband, the fabulous guy that he is, read this article in 2002 by Gary Taubes called what if it's all been a big fat lie? And just the light bulbs went up for me. Like, wow, you know, I've got inflammation or something, right? Maybe, you know, through all my years of putting more and more carbohydrates in my diet, lots of bread, the, the Netherlands is a very heavy bread culture, sugar, I substituted lots of protein and things like that for carbohydrates. And so then we both sort of went down that rabbit hole of reading everything we could read, right, about. And then his book, Good Calories, Good, Bad Calories, came out, and it, it just was a game changer, you know, completely. My health, I think now, you know, and I think like everybody, you know, first you add the meat back in and those kind of things. But then the whole idea of really reducing the carbohydrates, right, made a whole new path of health yeah, in that way. And I think part of, you know, and I've said this many times to people, so weight was not an issue for me. So I think people just assume if you're, you know, kind of a normal body weight or, you know, thin, you know, I'm slender, that there can be nothing wrong with your nutrition. It must just be okay, right? You know, you know, we see people with poor metabolic health who are, you know, they now have a name, the tofi, thin on the outside, fat on the inside, right? Um, but I think that's why no one ever really got to have the conversation with me. Um, and I, I think that's, that's something really missing, right? You know, in... Uh, in many, many health conversations. Yeah. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. What a cool journey that you've been on. And, and I, I'm really curious before we got online, we were talking about the book that I'm listening to currently that just came out the great plant-based con and it is so good. Jane Buxton does such an amazing job in this book. And I, I remember this line that she just said, which is basically like, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. <laughs> that's, that's pretty accurate. First of all, I, I agree with that hundred percent, but it's also the same kind of truth in nutrition where it's like, if you don't pay attention to what's going on nutritionally, you're pretty uninformed. But if you start researching nutrition, what you learn is probably just a load of crap. You're probably learning that, that all these plants and carbohydrates are really good for you. And we need to follow the food pyramid and limit saturated fat and meat. It's going to cause cancer, which is just complete and utter garbage. So I'm just wondering for you, how, how difficult was it for you to unlearn all the things that you thought were so healthy and, and learn this new paradigm shift that's going completely against the grain of what anybody's saying. I, I think there may be multiple things. Well, first, it really helped that the two of us, we, we don't have children. It's just my husband and I in our house really went down the investigative research route ourselves, right? So that we were kind of discussing things, debating things and, talking about it in, in that way. Another piece that was highly influential is, you know, I was living outside of the country for close to a couple decades, right? So let's say, you know, 90, uh, eight, late 80s, you know, 90s, early part of 2000. And every time I came back to visit family or friends into the United States, I kept seeing people just started looking worse. And it wasn't a, a weight thing. It wasn't that they were just getting larger, but they, you know, looked energy less. They looked in poor health, wow. posture, you know, um, you saw more and more people walking with walkers or needing assistance in the airport. So a sort of thing, just, it was like a story playing in my head, like what's going on? Also seeing that many, many people were just exercising crazy amounts 
and still having health issues, right? So, you know, believing that whole idea that you can exercise away a poor diet. Um, so those things cause me to still, you know, think critically. And maybe it's easier to have a little critical eye when you're, you're not, you know, in the United States, right? Um, in fact, one of my very first blogs, uh, you know, I started blogging in 2010, I believe, uh, around there, you know, just after Gary Tubbs was the first, it's titled, Let's Change the Conversation. Something that I, I picked up in Europe, people don't sit at the dinner time and talk about calories and, you know, is this healthy and that, you know, but in America, you know, there's kind of an obsession, right? Oh, should I eat that or shouldn't I eat that? It was a bizarre, you know, kind of two sides. And certainly things probably have changed a lot. Um, but I think it's having a different lens. And the other thing is being in the fitness industry so long, whether it's, and I, I include, let's say I was in the performing arts, you know, I did a lot of personal training and fitness in that way. Just seeing that people struggle at all ages with weight, particularly, and with figuring out nutrition. So we say, well, what's what people are advising, it's just not working, right? And, you know, I think that Maybe growing up in the Midwest, my parents were also, you know, very opinionated, had their own ideas. Uh, you know, I, I was grown up to use your own critical thinking skills. Maybe that also influenced me to not say it's just it's just not working. And then my own personal experience, it didn't work for me either. Yeah, yeah. Um, Same. I, all these personal training books behind me tell me exactly what I need to tell my people they need to eat plenty of meals and plenty of snacks and lots of whole grains. I, I would tell people like you have to eat nine to 11 servings of vegetables every single day. I couldn't do that. I did all the smoothies and all the salads and buying all of this produce wrapped in you know, plastic and put in plastic bags and like all I, I did all of it. And you throw food away at the end of the week. Not only does it not work if you can pull it off, but I don't even think anybody could even pull it off to begin with anyway. It was so frustrating. You know, and I, I think, you know, what you're touching on, it seems to me is like we talk uh, a lot about the weight and absolutely low carb, high fat is, is very good at helping people get to a weight that's healthy for them. However, there are so many other benefits, right, to exactly what you're saying is you don't have to eat six to seven to eight meals a day, right? You, you know, I think Zoe Harkob has this phrase is, you know, unless you want to be the size of a cow, why would you graze all day long, oh, right? <laughs> no. um, and it, for me, too, I know when I was really heavily carb-based, I was many hours a day hangry. Right. You know, I, I, you know, I would, I could come out of a rehearsal, you know, just five or six hours straight of rehearsal dance and say, you know, I, if I don't get something to eat right now, I'm going to bite somebody's head off. Like, that's not normal. And we have normalized this idea that, you know, you should be slung up on your blood sugar, dropped off and then, oh, let's do it again. Right. Let's see how many times we can do it during the day. Um, and that is one that's completely changed with this lifestyle is, you know, your meals are sustainable to the next meal, right? Um, and actually, it's not that different. I grew up in a family that said, don't snack because you'll ruin your meal. And somehow, you know, from the era of the dietary guidelines, and again, I'm not a researcher, I'll leave that to the brilliancy of Taubes and Ty Schultz, and it sounds like Jade Buxton as well now. Um, but from that period on, it, it sort of like encouraged people to just eat all the time and it doesn't work. Yep. That's right. Um, I love Jason Fung, how he talks about like the little kids, like soccer match, like they can't even go out and play a simple soccer match without like Gatorade and, you know, maybe fruit. I, when I was growing up, it was at least like orange slices that you had to eat, but now it's just all kinds of processed crap. Like these kids don't need to be eating all of this stuff. They're just playing around. They're playing a game. Yeah. It is, is very true. And it is very sad because they don't have a chance. Right. Um, one of the fabulous teachers in the Noakes Foundation um, coach practitioner path is Bitten Janssen. 
Um, she's the, um, sugar, I, I call it the sugar addiction specialist. Um, and she said, you know, what we're battling is that this indoctrination, right? At a very young age, you start getting incredible amounts of sugar, right? And then as that dependency comes along, you need more of it, right? And then you need more of it. Um, and that's just going to be a constant, a constant battle. Um, and one of the things I feel most proud about with some of my clients is to is this feeling to, like we talked about at the beginning, take charge of your health is once you can get yourself away from that need to snack all the time, it's very liberating. So liberating. Right? You know, you, to go, wow, you know, I don't have to pack a bag full of stuff. You know, when I was dancing on the tour, I, people used to joke about me. I'm five foot two, I'm around 100 pounds, that my bag was bigger than me, right? <laughs> because I, you know, again, this hangry, hungry a lot, you, you, you hoard food, right? You want to make sure you got all the stuff in your bag and, you know, that you've got like your food for two days. I don't need that anymore, right? You know, you have a meal, you wait to the next meal. So liberating. Yeah. I'm so glad you use that word. I used to tell people like, I love to cook. I love to shop. I love to buy new ingredients and try new things. And it's like, the more I go, it's like, no, I don't. I like to go on walks and paddleboard and enjoy the <laughs> sunshine. I, I want to spend the least amount of time on my food. Let's get some really simple things that allows me to eat maybe once or twice a day. And I feel great and energy's good. And I can go out and actually enjoy myself and not spend all this time and money in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more you get comfortable Right. You know, I, I feel really sad when people say, oh, I don't like to cook or I don't like, you know, it's too it's too challenging. And then I was, my response often is, well, then your health will sacrifice. Yeah. Right. If you outsource your food. I saw I, and I don't know if you saw that tweet rolling around last week that someone um, for a family, I think it was of three. They had spent like eight thousand five hundred dollars on Uber Eats in one month. <laughs> What? And, uh, can can you believe that? Right. I mean, um, we just—I don't know if you saw—we just bought half a cow, right, and a freezer. And I can tell you, it's not—it's <laughs> not even a third of that, right? Wow. And that's food for a whole year, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but when we outsource everything, and I understand people are busy. You know, sometimes maybe you want you need you know, something delivered or you're having a health issue, uh, those kind of things. But the more you put your health in the food, you know, and for many people, it's pro pro uh, heavily processed food. It's not real food. I, the more your health is in danger. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think that's so well said. And I do think people do have some leeway and it's not like you have to do it every single meal, but you are going to pay a price. There, there is a price to pay. If you go off the diet, you might get anxiety. You might feel terrible the next day. Your sleep might suffer. And the more and more you go down this path, I think the more times you're just not willing to give up feeling amazing for something that might taste good super temporarily. And you're right about the Uber Eats thing. I was walking around my neighborhood the other day. It's like 10 in the morning. I see a car pull up to a house. This really big dude gets out to make this delivery of Uber Eats. He was carrying a huge bag full of McDonald's that he drops off at, at, at the front door of you know this house. The people didn't even need to like go anywhere. They didn't even go to the drive-in. They're just like going to their front door. To, I don't know how many people were in there, but it was a lot of McDonald's food at a really early time of day, and it sucks. That's just kind of the world we live in. It's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, uh, someone asked me one time, I, like, what do you do? I said, I'm a, I'm a health coach. And I said, what does that mean? I said, encourage people to eat real food and move as much as they can. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And that's a perfect segue because you just tackled this question on one of your more recent blogs. What is health? And so I would love for you to elaborate a little bit. How do you define health? Because I think both of us have heard, you know, that health is like an absence of feeling bad or being sick. And I don't know, I, didn't, I never really loved that definition and I really appreciated your definition. So maybe you could tell us what, how do you define health? You know, I, I think probably for sure we're all individual, right? We all have our own definition. But I think, you know, uh, Joseph Pilates had a quote, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know it exactly, that, you know, uh, 
health is being able to enjoy life with zest and vibrancy, right? And again, I, I just paraphrase it. The, the quote is more than that. But I, I think health to me means being having energy, right, on a, on a daily basis, having energy also over at the end of the day so that when you finish work, you don't just sort of collapse on the couch, right? Um, it is, you know, being able to do the things that you want to do with independence, right? We, you know, you mentioned my age and I'm closing in on 65. It, you know, I, I don't feel I should be limited just because I'm at that higher age of the spectrum, right? I, I think it's also being able to, you know, tap in also to your own creativity. Obviously, I, I spent a lifetime, you know, in the performing arts, right? Um, and I, I think we've we've made health to be that it's only in the gym or something like that. You know, health should be, you know, getting on that paddleboard that, that you love, right? It should be for, you know, if people love playing cards or playing, you know, going, go, enjoying their church, if they go to church, right? It should be all those, you know, we have the, the pillars of what we call health, you know, our social environment, you know, our physical environment, our mental environment, all, all, all through that. And I really think when we think of health as being sort of, you know, all encompassing and all full of energy, the more that we will start thinking of it as how am I performing? Are my foods giving me, you know, the highest level performance? Does my movement, what I do during the day, provide me high level performance? Do the people I associate with, right? My community, my friends, are they supportive? Or are they, you know, sort of, you know, bringing my health down? Right? That, you know, I think it was a few decades ago, you know, the New York Times had an article, on, are my friends making me fat? But not that. I would say, are your friends supporting you, Right. Do they help you think critically? You know, I'll, I'll go back to forever grateful, not only to Gary Taubes, but to my friend, you know, Ted Dooms. And he said, what about your diet, right? Where, you know, do your friends force you to think critically, right? Um, and I, I think all of that is about health. With the caveat, it can't be fixed by a pill. Mm. Medicine is fabulous. It's wonderful. Thank goodness we have it. We appreciate it. But it shouldn't be our sort of default that we think it's going to fix everything. I think when you think of your health as all-encompassing, you start to work and invest on those people pieces and not just rely on something getting fixed. Wow. Yeah, I love that. That's so well explained. I did a, a first time consultation with somebody who might start training with me. And in our in our conversation, I sent him some results that one of my other clients is is getting. And this person is losing several pounds of fat a week at, at, by following some of these things that we're talking about. And it's, you know, it, it would be really remarkable if you if you didn't expect it. But I think you and I have been in this world for so long. It, it's amazing how quickly people can lose not only weight, but actually burn off fat, actual fat validated on a scale. She's losing tons of fat. And I sent it over to this guy and said like, look, this is kind of, this, this is what can happen if you just change your diet and focus on some of these unconventional things that I'm telling you. And he responded like, wow, is she taking some kind of magic pill? And I said, she's not taking a magic pill. Although I recommend you watch that documentary, the magic pill, which is wonderful, <laughs> yeah. but it's, right. you're right. Like to, right. to, to think that any kind of medication or a pill is going to get us out of this mess is absolute nonsense. Yeah. And I, I, I can give you a concrete example of how I see it. I often ask people when I work with, where do you see yourself in a year? And I asked a specific person, where do you see yourself in a year? And she said, I would like to be back doing competitive horseback riding. And she does endurance riding and weigh a, a healthier weight. So I can ride my horse more efficiently. And that healthier weight for her was losing 40 or 50 pounds. She did it. Wow. Why? Following all these things that we're all doing and how, but there was this focus on the future, right? A performance mindset and also that all-encompassing idea about health is looking to the future to sell it, being able. And I think Andre, um, 
I can't pronounce his last name correctly. It's his Slavic name, Abramovich. He's also part of the, the does some um, sessions with the Noakes Foundation, but he's also a super trainer out of Australia. Says your job as a coach is to help your clients see themselves in the future, right? Mm. And that's that's part of thinking bigger about what your health is, right? Um, and having, you know, some people work really well with longer goals, but also having short-term goals of where you want to be. But we must all be able to see ourselves somewhere down the line. And not lose hope and not lose faith that you can't get back to a better level of health than you were before. You might think that, you know, for that person who's doing the horseback riding, that that they will never be able to do what they were doing before. But that's not true. You can reverse these things and get to even a better health than you've been in the past. You don't need to assume that just because you're aging means that you can't do some of those things you did in the past. I love that. I think that's an amazing example. You've been talking about this comprehensive plan and lots of different things, which I absolutely love. And I want to make sure I get this right, because this is from that same article. I know you chose this, these phrases very specifically cornerstones of my personal health investment plan. We've already talked about the word investment. Why did you choose those words specifically? Because I'm pretty sure you chose those words very specifically. Uh, well, I choose investment because, you know, it is, is a word that everyone understands, you know, uh, people who work for companies, uh, you know, You've got your, you know, 401k or you think of investing in that or you buy a house for as an investment. Uh, you know, you invest in things that you hope if you are someone who has children that you can pass on to your children or other relatives. And when we think about our, our health, I feel many people have sort of forgone this idea that it's also an investment, right? That that somehow we don't need to take care of it right now, it, it'll just kind of be there, right? And when we think of using that word and the things that we're doing currently, you're putting into that investment, right? You're adding to it. Um, so that, that was really the, the reason. And maybe also, you know, being influenced by working with different executives uh, along, you know, I had 15 years in executive coaching is, I feel sometimes we just need to make things simple for people, right? You know, so I think that that word maybe can resonate a little bit more. It means that you have to spend time on it, right? Spend time now so that you can enjoy the fruits of your labors later on down the road, just like investing. You can either keep that money now and buy some new toy or something fancy today or let it grow and work for you so that in the future you have that set up. I think that's wonderful. And I'm really glad you chose that. This list is, I have to say, it's pretty comprehensive, but it is also very simple. And I would love to talk about some of these aspects. I'm going to combine two of these (laughs) right off the bat, get outdoors regularly and take regular sun baths with no sunscreen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't stand talking about sunscreen with people that are using way too much sunscreen for what they need when it's not necessary. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we converse all the time about additives in food and toxins in the water. And, you know, thank you also to the Weston A. Price Foundation. I have to say, because, you know, not only was Gary Tobbs influential on my house, but I think their book nourishing traditions and all the work they do, you know, in the, you know, around healthy fats and healthy um, you know, culture-based diets and that. So that was a little sidetrack. But I think, you know, we have some of the lowest rates of vitamin D. And I speak also really from this mature uh, female side, high levels of osteoporosis, high levels of, you know, um, unhealthy situations for many females in that, you know, we wonder why, you know, we're losing muscle mass at, you know, people say, well, I get outside, but then, you know, they're all covered up or they've lathered on so much sunscreen that actually there's very little skin exposed to the sun. And, you know, I think Dr. Eric Berg has some wonderful educational videos out there. And he did a whole segment on, you know, if you're living in Seattle, how many, you know, talking about depending on how much skin you have exposed and that. And I, I think, 
you know, where I sort of went down this path is I was someone who really struggled as a vegetarian with joint issues, inflammation. So, you know, you know, uh, my personal opinion, you know, this high level of carbohydrates and sugar, also living in Northern, you know, Europe where there's very little sun, right? I probably, you know, my vitamin D is, you know, I overcome this and say, well, it's definitely in the basement, right? Uh, in that. So part of my aging process has been to up that number and try to, I always strive to up something either with a nutritional source or a natural source first. If I'm not successful there, then, you know, maybe think about supplement and, you know, uh, in the winter, if you're not getting supplement, I think supplements can help, but I, I don't see them as that first resource. And if I'm able to maintain it by getting good direct sunlight, um, and, uh, then I think I'm good to go. Right. And obviously you take care, right? If you've got some cancer in your family or if you're, I don't know, but I, where I see it more often than not is people getting way too little and with too much, too little skin exposed, right? Yeah. You know, if you only got your hands exposed, you're not really getting much vitamin D. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I love that you made that point. It's interesting that you brought up the bones and the vitamin D connection. We we learned from Nadine Artemis, who's also a skin health expert, about heliotherapy that they were doing like a century ago in Switzerland. If you had polio or bone deformities, you would go up to high altitudes and sit on these sun decks and sunbathe. And the only catch you had to you had to have your eyes exposed. Also, the people that use sunglasses didn't get very good results. You had to have your whole body exposed, including your eyes. But they would fix bone deformities by exposing people to the sun. It's really really yeah. amazing. And and you're right. You have to be smart about it. This is where we recommend tools like D-Minder, the app, which you can, you know, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You can put in your skin type and show where you are on the planet, how many, you know, what percentage of your skin is exposed, but, and, and start early in the year and start at the, the, you know, the lowest horizon times like sunrises and sunsets. But it's amazing how much that changes. I mean, I can go out in midday sun and never burn. I used to burn all the time. But if you build up the melanin, the, the proper melanin in your skin, you will be very much more resistant to sunburn. You have to get out and get exposed to the sun. I agree. And, you know, in, in Europe, you know, and, you know, again, I'm not a historian, but, you know, sun bath was recommended for anybody with tuberculosis, right? They would send them to the sanatoriums to be able to sit outside and get sun baths. And then again, like everything else, you know, I've written numerous times or other posts about we're, we're an all or nothing culture in America, right? We're a crisis or we're complacency. We're all or nothing, right? You know, we, again, I grew up in the, in the Midwest. We had a boat. We went water skiing. We'd be out hours on a day, right? You know, and then we, we fast forward to now and everybody's, you know, lathering everybody on with so much sunscreen. You know, I, I went I used to swim when we lived in the Bay Area at a, a public pool in an area, beautiful pool. And sometimes you would see people, they would do the zinc all over themselves, you know, and everything, you know, long sleeves and then go swimming in the swimming pool. You think, wow, you know, we've come so far, right? You know, where people would just jump in the lake or something like that. Um, and I think we need to shift the pendulum back some to some normal place, right? Um, and like you, I, it's pretty amazing when you go low carb is you see, um, well, my complexion cleaned up. So, you know, no no skin problems once I lowered that, but also you, you just don't burn as easily. Um, and I think you see that and again, I'm not a scientist. I don't have a scientific study to, to pull, but what you hear, right? Anecdotally from many, many people is their skin tolerance has improved magnificently um, through reduction of, yeah, we haven't even talked about toxic seed oils, right? Reducing toxic seed oils, reducing carbohydrates, reducing sugar, right? All those inflammatory things, right, that our bodies 
you know, particular skin doesn't like. Yeah, that's right. That's such a good point. I, I have to admit that my skin tolerance is better from getting exposure, but it only really improved when I got all the seed oils out of my diet and started eating a more carnivorous, low-carbohydrate diet. I ne- Again, I never burn. It's funny you mentioned the pools. The pools um, just opened up on, in my neighborhood around here in Salt Lake City. It's June at the time of the recording. It's funny. Not only can you smell the chlorine, but you can smell the sunscreen. Like, Yes. Kind of far away, like not, not even being like up close to it. You can smell it as you're coming up to it. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, I, we go hiking for hours on end. I know I've got a hat on. I've got, you know, you know, uh, uh, again, you, you be smart, right? You know, if it's intense, you've got long sleeves on, you you be mindful of that. But I one thing that, again, I, I've seen give people a false illusion is putting on so much sunscreen encourage them to stay longer in the sun than they actually probably should, right? Um, And that, I think, is, again, we lose our touch with reality, right? You know, by always trying to cover something up as opposed to saying, you know what, I probably should get out of the sun. You know, I've been out here for a couple hours. Maybe I need to get inside. That's right. Um, The sunscreen is just disarming your natural defense system and warning sign that, yeah, it's been a little long. And there's other things you can do. Like you said, shade is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, 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 again, it all comes back to what I would hope as a coach, but also just in, you know, friends and family that is to encourage sort of really thinking critical about everything that has been placed into the fear box. And certainly sun was put in the fear box. And again, right, you know, if you've got a medical condition, right, this is not medical advice. We're talking about just how can you approach it if you're a normal, healthy individual, right? Um, and they, and I love that you said D-Minder. I love that app, right? It really is a teaching tool um, and can help you in a sensible way increase your vitamin D, right? And we know vitamin D is great for, you know, I I probably, I think when my health was its poorest post 20 year vegetarian, probably vitamin D in the basement. I bet I was pre-diabetic, but no one never thought about that because I was small, right? You know, they always assume that you're going to be diabetic, that you must be overweight, right? You know, um, and I, I think we do a disservice to those people who have poor metabolic health, but might not be overweight. That's right. Look at Dr. Tim Noakes. I mean, he was never overweight, running marathons all over the place, and he was diagnosed with pre-diabetic. We mentioned, we've already talked quite a bit about the diet, which is so, so critical in nutrition. You know, we want to make sure we're getting what you call a meat-centric diet, which I love. I don't think everybody has to follow a very strict carnivore diet. I think it's a great tool, but not necessary for most people. And, And being aware of those processed foods. I think if you're starting with those things, you can have other things in your nutrition that you enjoy, you like, or, you know, even if you have some fruit sometime or some vegetables, that's totally fine. Do you agree with that? Um, hundred percent. You know, I, I, uh, I will give a caveat to the carnivore group. I have seen amazing results with people with severe autoimmune diseases. And maybe had, when I had been at my worst, that might've been a, a, a quicker transition for, for me back to health. But anyway, I give that to them and I, I love that they're getting good results, but what I see for myself works is definitely meat centric. Right. And, and that, a, why I like it, it seems, I think, also for my body that I don't do as well with, with vegetables, right? Um, maybe it's due to the anti-nutrients, you know, that somehow also maybe from doing it so long that I have a really low tolerance for them. Um, and I just find that meat gives you the biggest bang for your buck, in a way. You get all these incredible vitamins and uh, nutrients, and I... I love and I highly encourage anybody to read Chris Cresser's, you know, Red Meat Does a Body Good uh, article. He does a really deep dive into that uh, research. You get really quickly a good amount of protein, right, uh, in that. And that you can then from there out build out, you know, I eat dairy, right? I eat full fat dairy, right? Um, I love a good, you know, bowl of yogurts with some walnuts on it in the morning with a little full fat cream just to make it a little 
more creamy. No. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'll have an espresso with, you know, some cream in it, those kind of things. So, I, but I can deal with dairy. There are, I think, many people who can't deal very well with dairy. So then what are your options, right? Fish, meat, um, and, you know, find the vegetables that, that work for you. And because I work well at my age, I'm very low carb. So I, I try to get my carbs, you know, from my vegetables and, you know, from a glass of wine now and then, you know, I, I've figured out what seems to work the best for me at, at this period. And that is definitely the target meat centric vegetables, you know, especially the green leafy ones or those kind. But again, we don't, we try to shop once a week. And when you have too many vegetables, a lot of them go bad, unfortunately. Yep. So when two people are working full time, right? Meat is really great. You can food prep, right? You can, you know, we have a kitchen full of eggs and, you know, uh, again, we cheese, you know, i got a Dutch husband. You, you think we're not going to eat cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I love it too myself. Um, those kind of things. But again, we're a household that can tolerate dairy. And I, I know that there are a lot of, you know, people who are very anti-dairy, but I see that on a case by cases. If it works for you and you like it, you enjoy it, it gives you energy. Go for it. I say. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's very pragmatic. Yeah. It's really practical. I absolutely love that. The thing that really surprised me getting into this kind of space was not only learning that, that, you know, vegetables and plant matter might not be all that good for you, but that also what you mentioned, those anti-nutrients that plants can actually be actively bad for you. And there's just always a question, you know, like people ask me, well, like, what if I just have spinach like a few days a week? And it's like, well, I, I don't know. It, it can cause problems. What if I have all these apples? I, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a lot of sugar. We don't have apples the way we had apples 50 years ago. And so there's always a question with the plant foods when you know with the meat, you're right. It's safe. It's easy. It's convenient. It has all the nutrients you need. There's no questioning. You can definitely go that direction and be fully nourished. hundred uh, percent. And I, I'll give you again, a couple of concrete examples. Um, you know, for, well, first and foremost, I think somehow we've given vegetables a free ride. They're healthy, right? And I want to say, not for everybody, right? And they might just be fabuloso, right? I just stole that word from my dear friend, Margot. She used to use that. <laughs> I don't know that it's fabuloso for some people. But there are, we can't say that they're a free ride for everybody. I, I, I had a client, um, not a nutritional client, but a fitness client. And she came to me with severe um, fibromyalgia and done everything, right, you know, to the point where she couldn't lift her arms above her shoulders, um, you know, eh, around my uh, age at that time. And we started working together. And, you know, oftentimes in fitness, you just have conversations with people about their nutrition. And then anyway, over a period, I think of a year or so, we finally figured out nightshade vegetables were giving her enormous inflation, right? right uh, inflammation, uh, oxidation, who knows what else. Once she started eliminating those, along with all the other pieces that we were doing, I mean, the change was incredible, wow. right? To see someone be able to lift their arm finally up, you know, above their ear, uh, those kind of things. But we, we always have just sort of said, oh, eat as many vegetables, right? Five a day, you know? And again, Zoe Harkov says that five a day would just pluck from thin air, right? That it's not founded on any good science, right? And no, not everybody should eat five a day, right? That's one particular person. I, 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 I know someone currently who's been suffering with some um, skin uh, rashes and you know, not sure exactly what it is. But again, eliminating some of the vegetables seems to be assisting in helping, right, calm down the inflammation. So I think if someone has those kind of things, I think they need to, for themselves, start doing some elimination diet, right? Yeah. And that's where, that's where the carnivore diet has come in, is basically an elimination diet, right? right? You get rid of everything else, you've got the meat, and then if you want to, then you start adding back in, and then you see 
what's really affecting you, which is in some way what Atkins did, right? That's right. The induction phase is take most things away, except the fat, right? Except the protein. And then later down the road, you can add things back in. Mm, Yeah. I love that. That's amazing and a great way to approach it. And I think so many people would notice so much benefit from trying that, from trying that for themselves. Um, you've, you've been doing this for a long time. You mentioned dance, you mentioned Pilates. I'm so fortunate. My wife, Bethany is comprehensive certified and we have a reformer down in our basement gym, which is amazing. Um, so much fun. I'm wondering how has your understanding of exercise and movement evolved over time and what things do you recommend now? Well, definitely what has evolved, you know, obviously, you know, uh, I, I had quite a fitness journey, right? And that journey also changed along the way. Um, I was, as a dancer, heavily involved in the Iyengar yoga movement, got certified teacher trainer, was part of the Amsterdam teacher training uh, team, giving uh, certifications there. Um and this is going to be kind of a long story, but I, I try to try to make it short. I kept suffering from a hamstring injury, right? Um, uh, torn hamstring. I had torn hamstring as a dancer, and the yoga just kept acerbating it, right? It just kept re-injuring it. You know, there's a lot of forward bending in yoga, and although I think Iyengar yoga is fantastic, and the many other fantastic ones, but you know, probably my dance, you know, being uber flexible and then the flexibility of yoga. So I finally realized that I went back to Pilates, which I'd always done uh, as a dancer, sort of cross training and started to really heal myself with that. Right. Because Pilates is a little more comprehensive in how you work your body. Um, it got heavily involved. My husband and I owned a Pilates studio in the Bay Area for 13 years also teacher trainers in the uh, classical Pilates method there. But something that happened to me, again, um, probably in the, around the age of 60, was starting to feel my muscle strength was going downhill. I felt I, felt I had a really good solid nutritional path, you know, uh, figured that out. But I... I you know, that felt the quality muscle was looking thinner, right? And not, you know, where I wanted it to be. Um, I found a fabulous personal trainer. His name is Josh um, Esposito. And he was started, I started working with him. Um, and that was my kind of first time really doing strength training. As well as started working with my husband, who's followed Steve Maxwell. I don't know if you know Steve Maxwell. He's been, uh, he was a former jiu-jitsu champion. And anyway, he fought, following him, wow. not uh, doing personal training with him, but all his videos and his method, uh, because Steve is also 60 plus and looks very good. <laughs> um, but I found this new switch in uh, staying, still doing some Pilates, but adding strength training has really kind of made me feel at my age much, much stronger. You know, I got, I got more muscle tone. I feel, you know, I regained from my earlier decades the muscle tone that I had then. Um, And that is definitely by adding strength training. And I I really think that as we age, that somehow needs to be part of your system. Whether you do plain out body weight resistance or you lift weights in the gym or you do some combo of those, then I, I think... Pilates is great for the core strength and really the maintenance and, and, you know, keeping everything toned at a level. But I think if you really want to up and get your muscles a little bit stronger, you have to add something to that. Again, that's my own personal experience at, you know, close to 65. I I think we, we just have to face the fact that we lose some muscle mass every year just by aging. Yeah. Well, it's such a shame because I see so few people out there, women age 65 doing strength training, crushing steaks. Like you just don't see that all the time. It's so much like cardio centric and doing lots of salads and things like that. And again, it's just, it's, 
it's following that calories in, calories out advice that just leads people down the wrong path. It's unfortunate. And I wish people would follow your lead and do some of those things. Um, they're so important. I love the strength training, especially as we age. It's just so, so critical um, to be able to maintain that muscle mass. And that's your function. That's your ability to care for your grandkids or cook amazing meals. Or like you mentioned, some of the other things on this list, like being social and enjoying, you know, your friends and family. And, and you know, you talk about also heat exposure and cold exposure. We love all of those things part of this whole comprehensive list and enjoying your life is such a big part of that. And, you know, it's actually what a lot of people used to do, right? You know, I mean, um, you know, uh, this idea of being in the sun, right? Uh, you know, I, I grew up with that water skiing on the Mississippi River, right? People spending hours outside uh, doing, you know, cold showers, right? That, that was supposed to be good for you, right? Now it's got, it's fancy with the cold, very expensive dips that you can do with people. But um, I just did the cold plunge this week at work. And I thought, wow, how, how energizing is that? Right. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, again, the social piece, but you know, everything that I've, you know, to mention is my cornerstones for health is really still old school. You know, Jack LaLanne talked about these things. You shouldn't be eating sugar, right. You shouldn't be doing strength training. And by the way, I, Elaine Lalane, Jack's wife. I had the fabulous opportunity to meet her. I'll send you a photo of wow. Elaine and I'll send you. Yeah. She's a, she must be 94 or something like that. She looks fabulous. You know, she's still got a good old bicep <laughs> and you know, you know, still exercising, following, you know, Jack's protocol and that kind of thing. That those are inspiring people, right? Um, to keep around. I, and I think getting, you know, sort of deviated a little bit off your thing, but I think it all comes back to people have been ingrained to think that it's cardio, 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 right? And I, it, it goes to that hamster wheel of calories, calories, calories. And when you step away from the mindset of focusing on calories, but focusing on foods that give you good performance, Right. You can also then step away from the cardio wheel. And I loved in Benjamin Bickman's book um, that he talked about that your biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a good book uh, um, is resistance training. Right. You know, uh, the skeletal muscle is a big depot for glucose. Um, and I think that we, we just have to keep talking about it and also. You know, I, I had a conversation this week with somebody who said, yeah, but I'm going to miss the high of running. I think once you get into it, you 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 develop other good energy, good highs from the other things. Uh, but that's a personal opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd never thought that walking could give me a feeling of a, of a high sensation. But like today, it's been pouring rain. I've been busy with clients. I haven't gotten out to do my normal walk around the lake. And I'm missing it like crazy. I'm missing it like crazy. You can definitely get all kinds of endorphins from just those simple things, going on walks, being outside, lifting weights. It, it, it's such an easier and more simple way of doing things and such a more natural way of doing things. And it's again, we're, we're, we're out here trying to, you know, sell people more products and more supplements and more meal plans and more exercise equipment. It's just, it's not necessary. You can do all of this stuff for free. The sun is shining all the time for free, giving us all kinds of life and nutrients. And we can take advantage of that. We don't need to spend tons of time and money to be able to take advantage. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have gotten really creative on, you know, you building, you know, something in their garage, uh, putting things together. And, you know, you can you can lift, you know, heavy books if you don't uh, have anything of that. But it is figuring out that combination that you do need to put some stress right on your muscles. Right. Um, and I think it's Doug McGough who, uh, you know, body by science. Right. So um, good. So, so good. Shows such amazing results with people, right, who have been really, you know, even worse on that downhill slide of aging and just the, the, the results he gets with people doing, you know, simple, you know, to fill your exercises, right, um, in like 15 to 20 minutes. One time a week, maybe once or twice <laughs> a week, that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, so, and you know, my, my routine uh, right now 
is I do kind of a Steve Maxwell at home, you know, resistance training, mostly body weight resistance with traps and stuff. You know, I lift weights, as I mentioned, with a trainer one time a week. And then I intersperse it with whatever I can, you know, whether it's a, a hike out there. Yesterday we jumped in the swimming pool because it was so 105, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, and still trying to also get as much movement during the course of the day. Let's not forget that, you know, we can't just sit for eight hours and then think all our exercise plans are, you know, terrific. Um, I have a standing desk at work. Um, so it encourages me to, you know, get up and get down. Um, like you, if I've got a bunch of clients, I try to do something where I'm up and about in between, uh, them because that, that stuff matters. It does. Right? Um, I'm not, I'm not big on the, the tracking things, but if that helps somebody get up and around, use it. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's one just amazing gift of the pandemic, I think it taught us all that we can be a little bit more creative and there's ways to do this stuff all around us in our environments. And we just need to be pragmatic and, and consider those things. You're right. Books, a few water bottles, you don't need much. You can just get started and just start lifting things and you will feel better. And you can have this amazing, vibrant life like you have. I'm just so grateful for you and so grateful for your journey and everything that you've learned along the way. And to be able to come on our show and talk to us all about all of that today, where do you want people to go to find you and connect with you in your work well um i i have a website it's called square as you mentioned one with the number wellness.com right i'm on twitter at square one wellness right uh my profile is also on linkedin but those two um i'm also on instagram square one wellness all the same um and love to connect and i think you know uh I said this once before to notes joked at our graduation of the coach practitioners that I was one of his first Twitter followers. And, uh, uh, you know, there are some negative things about Twitter, but I do say the amount of information and the ability to see other people's research, right? Like the book you just talked about from Jane, um, uh, you know, I encountered Benjamin Bigman on Twitter, right? You know, podcasts that are out there. So I, I think there's the opportunity to help educate and empower. And I, I would just, for not only just women my age, but anyone over the age of 60, you can, you can turn things around. And there, there is, we don't have to feel that just because we get old, we get frail. And it, you know, if you decide to, to that, you know, the vegetarian path works for you and you feel strong and you feel bright and it's it's working. As Amy Burgess says, if your diet's working for you, don't change it. Love that. My dad used to say, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yep. But if you're not feeling vibrant, dare to think different. Dare to maybe go back, reassess. Are you getting enough protein? Are you doing good strength training? Are you getting good sunshine? All these old school things, you know, get back with your friends. Spend time with your friends, maybe outside, um, and you can turn it around in a short amount of time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's, again, why I absolutely love this list, the cornerstone of my personal health investment plan. I think if people thought of these things as an investment plan, they would get far greater results. And I, I just think looking at you as that example of somebody who is healthy and happy and vibrant and thriving in so many different ways is so inspiring. So, Krista Hanks, thank you so, so very much for everything that you do and all of your work. And thank you for coming on our show today. We really, really appreciate you. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm, I'm just honored to be on your podcast. You had so many brilliant people. I feel <laughs> a very lucky girl. Um, so thank you very much, and thank you for all your work, that your contributions to um, the health of so many people. Well, thank you so very much. You definitely fit in with some of our other amazing guests. You were absolutely wonderful <laughs> today, so thank you so very much. All right. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.
Thank you again so very much for continuing to listen to and support Boundless Body Radio. This little passion project that we started almost two years ago just continues to steadily grow. We are reaching more people than ever, and we keep receiving so many inspirational and amazing messages from you. We see it in all the reviews that we get, and we really appreciate that. So thank you so very much for that. We love understanding which guests you really connect with and which content you really appreciate the most. We wanted to take a second also to give a huge shout out to our amazing guests. We love the people that we've been able to host and all their amazing content in these awesome conversations. And we have to say in the pipeline, we already have lots of great episodes that will be coming to you soon and lots of great guests. Some will be new to the show and others will be familiar to you if you have been listening to our show for a while. So look forward to that on our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. We are still running a lot of the same offers that we have been running for the last few months. These offers are complimentary, and we've really had a great time connecting with people all over the world who are taking advantage of these. So if you go to our website, which again is myboundlessbody.com, on the main page, you'll find a button that says book now. You can book either a functional movement screen, which is a movement screening tool used to evaluate movement patterns to optimize mobility, fitness, and injury prevention, We do that virtually through Zoom with a bit of creativity. You can book that session, which takes about 30 minutes and is complimentary. You can also see another booking for a 30 minute consultation with us where we can really chat about anything that you like. We can talk about fitness or nutrition or help you come up with a plan for you to be able to reach your goals. As always, it really helps us grow if you leave us a rating and review. So please be sure to go to Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. And thank you as always for listening to Boundless Body Radio.